welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California. We're here each Wednesday at this time for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters. Thanks for joining us again this uh, gray day here in Sonoma Valley. I think we have a great show for you today. Our principal guest is going to be uh, Martin Borosum, who's written a book called One Moment Meditation, Stillness for People on the Go. Martin will be with us in about uh, probably seven minutes. <clears throat> and prior to Martin's uh, joining us on the air, um, I'm going to read a little bit from his some of his material, so you can get a sort of flavor for what he's going to be teaching us. I think if we if we hold what he's offering as a teaching that is, um, what should I say? I don't know what to say. It's it's a lot like Zen, let's say that, and that it is something that's very much worthy of our attention. In and he's got something started. It's called the. Um, this, this is the, uh, April is National Stress Awareness Month, and boy, do we need it. The, uh, according to the American Psychological Association, of, the majority of Americans experience moderate or high levels of stress, but we're stymied by the efforts to make change. And although science is increasingly showing the benefits of meditation for stress relief, many people have trouble getting started or even finding time for it. And for someone who is already stressed, even the thought, I need to learn to meditate itself can be stressful. So Martin Borsum, the author of this book, uh, One Moment Meditation, has been quietly and radically changing the way we think about meditation, helping tens of thousands of people get started meditating and integrating into their lives. His core message is that meditation doesn't have to take a lot of time. It only takes a moment. Drawing on a background in business and psychology and Zen practice, Morrison has trained stressed-out executives, corporate lawyers, and physicians at Kaiser Permanente and, and UC Davis School of Medicine, among other places. And he's presented a 30-day course on stress relief on Oprah.com. And this publication is a playful, practical book in eight languages, including Japanese and Chinese, where he shows how stress is a global problem and there's a big need for this novel approach. <clears throat> uh, many people believe that uh, meditation requires a lot of time, says Borson, or that it has to be done somewhere already stress-free, such a beautiful retreat high in the mountains. This means that we don't meditate when and where we need it most, right in the middle of our stress. But when you realize that meditation really takes only a moment, you can meditate at work, at home, when you're stuck in traffic, facing a crisis, or just waiting in line. Meditation becomes part of life, not separate from life. 
On April 1st of 2011, Borison launched a new form of meditation training. He's calling it OM365, and I think here's our guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Hello. Hello. Is this Martin? It is. I can hardly hear you. Well, I can hear you just fine. What I wonder what it's going to take to make me louder for you. Is that better? Let me slap on your back. Let me try again. Do it. Welcome to Health Matters. Hi, hello. Is that a little better? Only a tiny bit. Well, let's see. Uh, let me adjust my microphone. Because I haven't had this problem before on well, this phone, so it might we'll, be your end. We'll assume that it's at my end. How about that? Okay. Is Are we making any progress, or are we... Um, it's a, still a strain to hear you, but I can just hear you. Still a strain. Um, my the, the gauge in front of me says I'm just doing great, and, <laughs> and, and, and I've got... The, uh, let's see, what can I do? Um, maybe there's a dial here that I can turn that will do something. I'll try some dials and see if I can do better here. Wait a minute. Uh, see if I can raise the volume here. That would be helpful. No, I'm up as high as I can go on oh, my phone. Oh, okay. Well, um, better. maybe we, you just did, better. Maybe if we just sort of struggle through. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> struggle through. Well... Martin, thanks sir, so much for joining us uh, on Health Matters. Um, as I was just reading from uh, Jill's uh, write-up on uh, about the book and about you know the beginning of your OM three sixty five training and the year long training course on one minute med- one moment meditation, um, I sort of revealed to our audience, as, as you perhaps might, if you remember the text that you'd been a teacher of, of this for quite some time, you've taught at UC Davis, at Kaiser Permanente, that you have a background in uh, psychology and Zen practice and so on. So uh, what our audience probably didn't know was that April, April is natural, strike that, National Stress Awareness Month, and that uh, you're kind of coex- coexisting your, this launching of this uh, OM365, I guess, with this April 1 uh, moment of natural, uh, national, I keep making that mistake, National Stress Awareness Month. Let's talk about National Stress Awareness Month for a moment and kind of what that really means to, in, to you. Well, I think that, um, you know, you say National Stress Awareness Month to people and everybody kind of groans because they're so aware of being stressed. Right. <laughs> it probably should be called um, National Stress Relief Month or something like that because I think we're pretty aware of the levels of stress that we're dealing with and becoming more conscious it being a problem both for health and for happiness. Mm. So in your own background, it doesn't say that you're a psychologist. It says that you're an MBA kind of guy uh, with a little Zen background. Uh, That's what I gather from what I'm reading here. Uh, uh, But you have worked as a psychotherapist. Yes, I lived in Ireland for many years, and I worked as a psychotherapist. I see. When I lived in Ireland. I see. I I also had the pleasure of training with um, California-based Dr. Stanislav Groff, who's one oh, of those. Oh, Stan Groff. I, I, we, we know him well. For those, oh, of yeah. us, those of us who lived at Esalen for a while, we, Stan, was, Stan was part of our world. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind you do. I mean, you, you, you kind of are still with that system? And the, I, mean, I still very much believe in it. I still practice uh-huh. it myself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not practicing it in terms of offering it to other people. Mm-hmm. But I've been very involved in, actually, this is Stan's 80th birthday year, ah. and we're promoting... Um, 
series of activities uh, that your listeners might be interested in on abbey.org. That's A-H-B-I.org. Uh-huh. With Wisdom University, so you can also find it there. So there's a teleseminar series with Stan and Christina on the whole holotropic model, ah. and we're doing a global breathwork day on June 11th. Wonderful! Uh, we have there's a big, um, big breathwork going to happen near you in Spirit Rock, well, of California, course, on that day. What what day again, please? June 11th is Global Breathwork Day. Six eleven. And um, you know, if anybody has ever day. experienced it or, or interested in it, to do it with that many people in a room is very powerful. Yes, it is. And then the idea is that we're going to have people doing it all over the world and kind of waves of people opening to this deeper level of themselves mm. um, on that one day in honor of Stan and Christina's amazing, amazing work. Mm-hmm. Well, for our audience who may not be familiar with with uh, with this, talk a little bit more, uh, Martin, about that work. So give our give our audience a little deeper taste of what that really kind of means. Talk talk about the practice as a practice, and then talk a little bit about your own sort of engagement with it and involvement with it, and both as a person, as an individual, but also as a person who's offered this, because I think that might enrich kind of some of our other understandings about our discussion of the book. Yeah, sure. I mean, very much it's my background, and then what I did with One Moment Meditation is really distilled kind of everything that I'd learned into a very simple practice that people could use, you know, in very ordinary situations, because um, the holotropic model, um, in quite a wonderful way, suggests that we take some time out from ordinary life to go into a very deep engagement with our unconscious, which is done using breathing and music, in a very safe setting. So the idea is really letting go of, con- of ordinary control and allowing the deeper mind to emerge. Um, and then through that process, all kinds of useful information and teaching can happen. Um, it's as if you're being given that day the thing that you most need to learn from your own soul or your own unconscious. Um, so it's a tremendously opening, healing transformative experience, and one of the things I love most about it is there's no therapist there saying, you need to work on this, or this is your problem, or this is the way to solve your problem. It's really about you trusting your own, what we call, inner healer to give you a powerful teaching that day. So for my, one, of, you know, one of my favorite examples is if somebody's got the anger issues with their mother, for example, mm. how does anybody know whether at that moment the right thing for them to do is to forgive or to express you know, bang a cushion or to um, sublimate or transform that anger into some other kind of energy. Um, Nobody knows, but your inner healer knows. So in a breathwork session, what happens is you're gaining access to that um, inner voice or inner teaching, and you're just supported in that so that you can go into it very deeply. Um, And learning learning that... The, the ability to do that, to to to, in, to interiorize to your question, and learning how to uh, trust the consequence of that is certainly one of the one of humans' sort of great uh, missing steps. Many times for many of us, we, we we didn't learn to trust ourselves, or we were told to trust others, other authorities, or and so as a consequence, this business of coming home to that place of authenticity within ourselves and is a is in fact a, a a huge sort of existential step that uh, is, is, uh, has been a, a enormously powerful for me as well. Yes, and one of the, well, the other great thing about the breathwork, in my opinion, is that the context that's provided allows your unconscious to go wherever it needs to. And right. that means that it can go into areas that 
you and mainstream psychotherapy may not even be aware of. Right. So in, in a conventional situation, we, we only treat things with a model that we already know. So it's an inherently uncreative process. So, you know, one therapist specializes in abuse is going to see you as having been abused. Another a, a spiritual teacher who specializes in kundalini experiences is going to work with your energy. And, and you as a client don't know who to go to because who you go to will determine what your problem is right. um, and what the answer is. Right. Um, so with the breath work, what happens is, first of all, it's your inner healer, the, the inner healing wisdom that determines what the issue is, because it may not be the th- issue that you think. And then it's the inner healer that also determines what the, what the next step or solution will be. And that could be something that you already know how to do, like scream and yell, or it could be something wildly different and creative that you never would have imagined could solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I've just seen so many profound breakthroughs. And again, not just in terms of healing, but in terms of the mind expanding to, to deeper realities and to new solutions that no one could have predicted. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, it's quite a creative process as well. Of course. Well, for our listeners who might might still be interested in your the, the current thing that you're doing <laughs> in, in terms of... In terms of uh, Ohm 365, talk a little bit about the one, the year-long training course in, course in One Moment Meditation. and sure, weekly... maybe I should explain One Moment Meditation first. Oh, That's... sure, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, in addition to my holotropic breathwork practice, I've also been very interested in meditation, and I'm, I do um, formal Zen meditation. Right. And um, I became aware through a couple of incidents that happened to me that there were a lot of people out there who could be very helped by meditation, but would never make their way to a formal Buddhist or any other kind of meditation um, environment. Right. And also people didn't have time. And I also started to see, you know, I'd be sitting on the plane or on the train and start meditating, and I think, gosh, you know, I don't really need the whole formal setup. I don't need my cushions. I don't need my legs crossed. You know, I can meditate here. Mm. You know? So um, one of the stories, one of the ways I came up with this different way of thinking about training and meditation, doing meditation, was when I was asked to teach meditation to a group of lawyers, corporate lawyers. And I thought, you know, we would need the typical setup, a beautiful space, maybe looking out over the sea or over a garden. Nice um, zafus and all that. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Candles and incense. And I wasn't going to go that far, but I thought we'd have at least lawyers in relaxed clothing, you know, for I'd have a few hours um, because I really believe to do something deep, you needed a lot of time. Um, but I was told, no, all the training happens in the workplace. I thought, okay, do you have a nice room there? And I, they said, we have a beautiful room. And they said, actually, we only have an hour, too, and can you do something in an hour? And I said, sure. But, of course, when I went in, the beautiful room was the boardroom. Okay? <laughs> and it was a beautiful boardroom, but not what you associate with the meditation training. You know, you could feel the tension in the room from the kind of very serious... Um, nerve-wracking, on-edge sort of meetings that happened there, and there were serious engravings on the wall, and you know, wow. the, the wood was rich and deep, and mm. chairs were leather. And, <laughs> right. um, so, and there on the table was um, this incredible spread of um, sandwiches and coffee and tea and pastries and potato chips. It was lunchtime. It was a lunchtime training. Mm. And the lawyers came in with their very um, sharp minds and sharp attitudes, and they were, you know, this was in Ireland, and they had particularly verbal wit to them, and I think when nervous, they got even more verbal and challenging and teasing of each other. 
So they came in again with that energy that you don't even associate with the beginning of a meditation retreat. Um, and they sat down, and the food was just an hour, I mean, a, a, a foot or two in front of them. And I realized that I didn't have much time to hold their attention. You know, I couldn't do the hour-long class that I planned. Mm. And then I'd have to beg them not to eat for a few minutes while we did a meditation, and then I'd let them eat. So I said, you know, we'll do this very short meditation. And I had no idea if it would work, right? But I said, let's go for it. Now, you very rarely hear a meditation teacher say, go for it. Although meditation does require energy and commitment, we think of it as just kind of relaxing, but it, it does involve energy. But, but these lawyers, they loved the idea of going for it. That was right up their alley. Absolutely. So we did it. And to my surprise, after two or three minutes, when I asked them to stop, something happened. And I know this because a few people told me that they felt some shift in themselves in just two or three minutes toward a calmer state of mind and body. But more interesting to me even was that I could feel the whole atmosphere in the room change. You know, people were quieter. They were listening better. It was like there was more space in the air. You know, it's really the, what, what we achieved was exactly the thing that you wish every meeting would begin with because how can you have a discussion or have a find creative solutions if there's no space, no mental space. Right. So I thought, wow, this is really useful. Um, these lawyers could do short meditation before they argue a case in court. They could do it um, before they pick up the phone. They could do it at the end of the day to make sure they don't bring their stress home to their families. Um, and then I started to think, gosh, you could do short meditation whenever you have wasted time. You know, when you're standing in line or on a train, if we, if we just strip it of all of the associations, the basic practice can be done simply and quickly wherever we are. So that's the idea behind one moment meditation. And, um, and then we can and, do it in a very short amount of time, and that these moments are really potentially quite valuable. Um, I'm not against longer meditation. I still do it. But I also think short meditation works. Well, there, you, in, in, in early in your book, you, 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 you give us a basic minute. Do you want That's to describe right. that, which might help our listeners sort of feel how they could actually engage this process themselves? In fact, in fact right. Martin, what I guess I'm hoping are we've got a good long visit to today. Uh, we've got about 40 minutes, or not 40 minutes left, but we have 40 minutes total. I'm hoping that our listeners will be able to walk away and actually be empowered to get started with this project, even whether or not they buy your book. Okay, I'd so, like that. And, so, and so, also note, I put, a, I put a little cartoon on my website that actually takes people through okay. a guided basic minute. So right. if anybody wants to try it and doesn't feel I've given them quite enough help here, it's actually right there okay. for anybody to try. And it's actually a, a timed minute. But I started with... Well, let's hold, hold it. We need, we, need to right. we need to step away and take a little break. We've got a public okay. service announcement to go to. We'll come back after that public service announcement. We'll talk more with, is it pronounced Borison? That's right. Martin Borison and his book, One Minute Meditation. So please stay with us. You're talking, that is, you're listening to Health Matters on KSVY Sun FM 91.3 in Sonoma. We'll be back with you in just a minute. I used to love running, shopping, just hanging out with friends. I don't do any of that anymore. The joint pain, the rashes. I feel so confused and alone. No one really understands. No one really understands. People keep saying how great I look. If they only knew how depressed I am. 
how sick I am. I need answers. For answers, ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Are you looking for a great place for your fundraiser, party, special event, memorial service, wedding reception, or dance? The Moose Lodge in Sonoma has it all. From a certified commercial kitchen, full bar, and a large capacity venue with lots of parking, we invite nonprofits and groups that need a place to meet as well. Please call for more information at 996-3877, 996-3877. We are here to help. We are a community service organization. You're listening to Sun FM 91.3 KSVY in Sonoma, California. And welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke t- today sharing the hour with Martin Borson, the author of a book called One Moment Meditation Stillness for People on the Go. And Martin, assuming you're still with us, you okay. were going to give us, you were going to direct us to your website so we could get a, a taste of the basic minute. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through it here too. But the website is onemomentmeditation.com. Good. One moment. Okay. And I'm, you know, I, I thought a lot about how to start this process of training people in brief meditation. Should I do five minutes or ten minutes or, or whatever? And you know, a lot of people don't have five minutes or ten minutes. Um, but I thought everybody has a minute. So, um, and we can find a minute on a clock. We can time a minute, and I think it's really important to start with a timed minute because there's something about that that makes it feel formal and disciplined, even though it's short. Um, and I've found when I just do a minute of meditation, often it's just a few seconds before the end that feel the most valuable. Um, you know, it's just after my resistance kicks in. <laughs> so um, we start with a full timed minute, and I ask people to use a timer and. And the reason for that is to give over worry about time to something else, because even in the space of a minute, it's quite amazing how your sense of time can change. Usually, when people start doing the basic minute, they tell me that the minute goes by very quickly. But what I've noticed with people who practice this over and over again, and I don't mean in a row, I mean at separate points throughout their day or once a day, they find that they find more space in a minute. Like, as their mind settles more deeply, and it does with practice, and they're learning to do it quickly. But as their mind settles and unwinds and slows down, or at least the, the, the compulsive thinking slows down, you will find that there's more space in a minute, that in just a minute you can get a very significant mental, physical break from what's stressing you. So it is like your sense of time in the minute changes. It feels like a really long minute, the more, and you know, like you've gone on a long vacation rather than a short vacation. Um, so so it, a lot happens in a minute, and that's why I suggest people give over control to a clock, um, just to reassure them that it's only a minute. Um, and then the basic is instruction is very similar to most meditation. It's to sit upright without being stiff. And I suggest people use a chair and plant their feet on the floor. And the reason I suggest a chair is because you know, there may be some people out there who like to meditate on their cushions, but you know, if you're on the BART or um, 
you know, we're at a rest stop on the highway or whatever, it's not always so easy to pull out your cushion and sit on the floor to meditate. But you can usually find a chair. Um, so sit on the chair and plant your feet on the floor. And then put your hands in some relaxed, balanced, stable position, kind of in a symmetrical position if you can. It doesn't have to be a formal meditation posture for your hands. The basic idea to me is that if your body is balanced, stable, and still, there's more chance that your mind will be balanced, stable, and still. You know, there's an interesting piece in the New York Times today with, from David Brooks about how posture can change not just your mood, but your hormones. And that, like, taking an aggressive, aggressive posture can raise your testosterone levels. And I thought that that's so interesting because I think that's what meditation teachers and yogis have been saying for years about posture, that particular postures are useful for training or developing or nurturing certain mind states. Well, and of course, the Zen Buddhist teachers in, in Japan, this was how they taught children. I mean, this is how they taught children respect for their elders and so on. It was it, it also had a, you know, a, a, uh, well, it had a social cohesive creation to it and, 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 and the, up, the uprightness and, and, and so on. Yep. It, it, it's so... Anyway, so we're we're still talking about the basic minute. We've got our we've got ourselves settled down into the basic minute now. How do we handle the minute? Let's let's it talk. It takes a lot longer than a minute to explain the minute. No, no, I understand. <laughs> no, I understand. Um, so I suggest people close their eyes or, or lower their gaze. The idea really is to eliminate visual distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's there's a focus for your mind in the minute, and the focus that I I've chosen I recommend is that you focus on your breathing, and few things to say about that. I chose the breath because, first of all, it's non-denominational. You know, it's every religion, religious tradition, every people has the breath. And if you want to share this and do this with other people, like a group at work or in community, there's no issues around the breath. The second reason is because it's always with us. I mean, it's hard to think of anything that is so present for us or so important to us as our breathing. So, you know, I found this kind of exercise, once you, once you learn how to do it without the timer, which is the next step, it's like having a, um, an emergency um, first aid kit with you. You know, you can be in all sorts of difficult situations, you know, whether it's climbing a mountain or a car breakdown or whatever, and then suddenly you remember that you've got your breath and you can tune into it and meditate for a moment. And it's quite extraordinary to realize that you have that with you in spite of your panic or whatever's happening around you. So the breath is the focus. But, but I want people to not worry about focusing. You know, some people, as soon as I say focus, they get nervous. They think, oh, I'm going to fail because I'm bad at focusing. And I'm really trying to get around all of the failure notices that people have written in their minds. Um, I've met so many people who say they've tried to meditate and failed. So what may help is to think of your mind settling into your breathing or relaxing into your breathing or dropping into your breathing rather than a hard kind of focusing on. Because it's nearly, if we give a very hard instruction like focus on, there's a certain percentage of people for whom they'll just bounce right away from that. So it's a, it's a settling into the breath. And now I'll, I'll just say one more thing that, about the setup for this is that in the space of a minute, you will be surprised, most people will be surprised, that their minds will still wander. It's very normal, it's very natural, and 
don't worry about it. You're not failing. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you, so, you, you, go ahead, excuse me. What I suggest people do is, as soon as they notice that their mind has wandered, just say something nice and non-judgmental like, hmm, and bring your mind back to your breathing. And that may happen several times in the space of the minute. Now, I think that's good practice of learning how to refocus. I don't see it as failure. And my test really is, after most of your basic minutes, not every one, but do you feel a little sense that something has shifted in a healthful direction for you? Do you feel a little bit calmer, a little bit clearer of mind, maybe a little bit more in touch with your feelings, or a little bit better set up to deal with the next thing that's going to happen to you that day? You don't have to achieve perfect peace or total enlightenment for this to be working. You just need to turn down the volume on your stress, create a little bit more space in your mind, and then I feel you've it's been a minute really well spent. Well, you've done this a long, t- quite a long time now, I, I gather from what I've been able to read here. And so you've done it on the radio, I understand. You've done it in Ireland. You've done it, uh, and you're now doing it with this uh, month-long program with the uh, weekly uh, mailings of some kind or email mm-hmm. mailings. Uh, yeah. Maybe what we, for our listeners who might be interested in plugging right in, they, yeah. they, they want to yeah. get really right started. I don't know if it's too late to start because it's our, we're now at the 20th and this thing started April the 1st. But No, it was, it was launched on April 1st, but it's, everybody can start whenever they want to. Okay. Um, okay. And the way it came about is I was doing seminars in workplaces and I was doing teachings and, and people loved it. And, of course, the big challenge we have is staying with something, right. being reminded of it. Um, and people wanted to ask me if there's a way they could learn this more gradually because the minute's just the first step. The next step is we make it portable, and then we reduce the length of the minute step by step until you can do it in just a moment. And then we look at how to apply it in all sorts of areas of your life. But the big problem people were having was even sustaining this, or staying in the field of remembering how they can make a big change in their state of mind quickly. So OM365 was my solution to that, and it's a year-long training, but it doesn't take much time. So you don't need to you know, sell your house and, and um, quit your job in order to do this training. It, it, it only takes about five minutes a week to listen to an audio from me where I give a little bit of training, and then you get an exercise to do that takes you a minute a day. But the point of it is that you're doing this for a whole year. You're staying in the field. You're being reminded. You're deepening your practice. Um, and that, from what I'm hearing from people, seems to be what really works. So is this, do you see this as a pretty much of a direct companion to the book? I mean, is, is, is the sort of the book is kind of the outline and then the, then the weekly uh, engagement with you is, is sort of the, the fixing, if you will, or the, 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 the bringing home and, and keeping on target. The, uh, so in other words, are they utterly conjoined, the, the book and, and this course? It's very much up to people's personal taste. You, get them, you can get most of, quite a bit of the training in the book. That's so kind of where I was obviously going. has more material. Right. People have told me they complement each other and that they read, tend, people tend to read through the book rather than taking it slowly. Mm. And then they want practice and help with it, and they seem to like hearing from me. And, you know, the audio, list, audio learning is very different from reading. Right. Um, so they're getting audio files they can download to their MP3 player. They can listen to them again when they're on the train or something like that. So it, you, can, you, know, you can get most of it from the book, but some people find the course really 
fleshes it out, grounds it, applies it, and keeps them in it, which is really the big benefit. Well, I have to admit, I I really do love it. And I I have had a now close to 40 years Zen practice, so Ah. it's, um, and I was a student of Suzuki Roshi, and so I'm, uh, when I read this, this, this is pretty much like reading the teaching of uh, the Soto Zen school that I'm familiar with. So, and yet at the same time, it's a sort of a secularized and popularized version. But it, but at the same time, being a practicing physician, it also is for me. It's the very thing that so often are the the clients that I see are struggling with in terms of finding their their place in the world and in terms of finding a place in the world i meant to say where they can literally recenter within themselves and 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 find an, an opportunity to, to find a that sense of spaciousness that uh, that i've been fortunate enough to have the uh, the training about I, I in your own uh talking of your own uh, background you talk about how as as a cigarette smoker you you began to be a, a moment observer because the cigarette kind of gave you the opportunity to have that moment. So uh, that that's an interesting way to begin, and, and to, to discovering the moment. Um, the well, cigarette breaks were you know they were wonderful. You could stop what you were doing. Right. You could go outside when in the days when you you know you couldn't smoke inside. Then it just, but you had to but you would smoke outside. Right. And and I'm still smoking that. I don't now. But um, yeah. you'd have a break. Right. And you take this kind of long inhalation with your first cigarette and then long exhalation, and there was a kind of stopping of the mind in that moment. Unfortunately, it was accompanied by a very toxic activity, yeah. um, <laughs> but there was this moment. Right. And, and I remember um, someone I worked with when I was much younger, and she was kind of a mentor for me, and she would... I, I, was, I was a teenager, but I'd watch her as she would start a project. She would take out her cigarettes and put them next to her and get her papers set up, and then she would take a cigarette and light it, and it was all a ritual, you know? And she would take a long drag of the cigarette and then a long exhalation, and then she would begin. And what impressed me about that was the ritual element of it. Mm-hmm. That she was taking a moment before beginning a project to end the thing she'd done before, to clear her mind, and then begin. And so, you know, if we take the cigarette out of that, that's one moment meditation. <laughs> Right, right. Well, you, you know, you say, and for those of our listeners who don't have any experience, that you, you, I won't say you warn them, but you, you talk in p- potential side effects chapter. You talk about their significant side effects are bliss and compassion. Let's uh, let's spend a couple minutes on those and and talk about how that fits into the larger picture of of how I mean, given that uh, you know, given a sort of the idea of a sort of a st- stress reduction outcome. I find that for many of my customers and friends and people that I know, the the desirability of a stress less or a reduction in stress is is a is a, an, an, a, a, a very much a sort of a passing chant, enchanting idea. They'll they'll do something that has a stress reduction potential for it you know, for a moment or so, but it's but just to do something on a regular basis to, to reduce stress. Only very few of my clients are actually able to do that. But if you actually promise them uh, bliss and compassion, now there's a promise. <laughs> so t- t- talk a little bit about what you mean about that, if you would, and, and how that fits into your understanding of when these things become, how they actually do become part of the experience and, and then what to do about them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I, I tend to talk more about the, you know, the very tangible 
practical benefits that people want in their lives, like a reduction of stress or better focus or help with insomnia, things like that. Right. But I, I do believe that, obviously, one of the things that meditation in general cultivates is a deeper experience of bliss and a deeper experience of compassion for everyone and everything. Um, now, I guess the question is, can you do that in brief meditation or in a moment? And, and you know, one of the things I focus on in the book and in the training is that everybody has had these moments, life-changing moments, when they have seen the bigger picture and been felt deeply connected to other people and other beings. Um, that's a bliss experience. That's a very peaceful experience. Um, and that's a very healthy experience. And they don't... The actual experience doesn't take time. It's not about time. It happens kind of outside of time or in just a moment. So although you can train for many years to kind of find your way to that state more reliably, it's important to remember that it can happen at any time. And so one of the things I say is that when people learn the basic minute and then the portable minute and then the various other minutes that I teach, um, there's this thing called the surprise minute. And the surprise minute is when you're just sitting around or whatever you're doing and you realize there's nothing you'd like better than to do a minute of meditation. You know, you're not doing it in order to reduce your stress. You're not doing it in order to be nicer to your family or because your doctor told you to do it. It's just what you want to do. Um, and I think that. So there's a kind of enchantment that's a possibility that it comes along the journey with this this uh, an enchantment with the moment itself, and and one of the things that you talk about as you work through the book is that as I've kind of paged through it, I haven't read it word to word for word, but I've I've kind of just paged through it, and the is you you also very frankly and very plainly talk about a development of mind, a, a relationship with time, um, a relationship with, um, and how coming to the moment, you even get to the where you say, the experience of the moment is actually a death. It's because you're not who you thought you were. And so there's there's kind of a big thing in there going on that isn't only about kind of sort of calming and kind of making more pleasing life. There's actually a, a, a rather striking and dr dramatic potential transformation of, of consciousness that you are at least giving some evidence about and, 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 and speaking to. to and, I, and after our next break, I'd like to, like to come back and maybe talk a, a moment or two about some of those deeper things and kind of how you see that fitting into your training and how our audience might be you know, interested in, in some of those materials. So we, we've got to take another little break. We're at uh, Sun FM 91.3 here in Sonoma. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Martin Borison, the author of a book called One Moment Meditation, Stillness for People on the Go. So please stay with us, and we'll be back with you in just a moment, assuming I can make this work, which I'm sure I will. Here we go. A tool for planning your week is the Sonoma County Literary Update, the calendar, from which you can schedule events which you would like to attend. Just as frugal means to save, and it makes good sense to yell, frugal me, frugal me, when you are drowning, it also makes equal sense to Google Sonoma County Literary Update calendar when you want to make an agenda of interesting places to go when you're treading emotionally dead water. 
millions around the world must walk miles to find food, water, and firewood. One in five people in Sonoma County is food insecure. Crop Communities Responding to Overcome Poverty holds its second annual walk in Sonoma on May 1st. Walk, sponsor, or recruit a walker to support those here and abroad to raise funds to end hunger. Register at the Sonoma Congregational Church Sunday at 1.30 and walk at 2 p.m. Sun FM 91.3 KSBY Sonoma. And welcome back to Health Matters again. Dr. Ned Hoke with Martin Borson. One moment meditation, stillness for people on the go. So, Martin, we are going to sort of dig a little deeper into this, uh, into this, uh, the, the teaching of this book, which it's funny as I, as I, again, as I say, I paged through it. I, I, um, I kept finding the, the the de, the very dependable uh, music, if you will, of the teachings of Dogen Zenji, and the world that I know of Soto Zen, and so, it, but it was in a sort of a secularized, uh, popularized form, and and at the same time, it it had uh, the respect for the profound potential goals of that journey, and so I guess what I'm hoping we can do is is you know at least walk by some of that profundity and and also talking about the the not just the uh, existential value but the the transformative meaning that it it uh, that the teaching represents because i think that it's it's sort of one thing to think about calming the being but it's quite another to as I believe you're doing here without necessarily, again, I haven't read every word, but it seems to me you're supporting a really profound maturation of, of human consciousness, really. And that said, it, it takes me back. I just another kind of aside. I, I don't know how much time you spend in Battelle Chapel in, in uh, New Haven, but uh, it was one of the places between events on the campus there that I had to go to and and it was a great blessing for me to have to have that chapel to meditate in and I, I don't know if you recall in, in those when when you were at uh, Yale that, that you had any association with that particular place but it, I don't, for some reason or other that kept popping into my mind as I was reading your uh, reading your thing here so um, coming back to the statement you say the ultimate stress in life is our attempt to to maintain an idea of ourselves from one moment to the next. I'm wondering if that might be a pushing off place to to do, as I've suggested, that we might walk into some of the larger and potentially truly transformative uh, kind of ideas that this teaching represents. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about that level of this. I don't get the opportunity to do that too much, so that's great. Um, I think we probably have to start with the issue of time. Um, and what it means to us, and how um, we, nobody really knows what time is. We think we do. We think we can find it on a clock, but the actual nature of time is, is kind of up for grabs. Even physicists and certainly philosophers don't really know what it is, um, and yet we live by it. It's a very useful convention that we have. Um, but certain experiences seem to take us outside of time, uh, and certainly meditation is one of them. Um, and yet at the same time we're very grounded in time. So when I was thinking about this book and, and how to explain this and thinking about 
minutes and moments and things like that, I, you know, I looked to see what the definition of a moment is or where it comes from. And it has a very interesting history because it comes from a Latin word that means a particle sufficient to turn the scales. Something very seemingly tiny that can change everything. So a moment isn't a unit of time. It's something that's not time, that seems tiny, that can change everything. And that's, of course, why the word moment gives us momentous and momentum. So it suggests that when you get to a very, very small amount of time, something happens in which we kind of let go of time or transcend time or drop the illusion of time or get out of time. And that, as you know, is, is actually what happens when you're very present in the moment. You drop your awareness of conventional time. You're not thinking of past or future. And because past and future aren't in your mind, it's as if they don't exist. You're just so fully involved in what you're doing that there is no time. And that's why when we're so fully involved in what we're doing, many people, um, you know, like they have a flow state experience where they, they lose awareness of time because they're so engrossed in what they're doing. They're present in the moment. Now, what happens is that, in a way, we, we drop our identity in that moment as well. Because our identity is very much, our conventional identity is very much based on the stories we're telling ourselves about our past. So that's the history, that's the past part of time. And our hopes and our imaginations about the future. That's the future part of time. When we're present in the moment, we're losing that architecture of past and future. And so, in a way, we are losing our awareness of self. We're not self-conscious in the same way. We're just here, one with what we're doing. So time drops. And so I came to see that, that being in the moment, and really, and I mean, in the book I mean it quite playfully, because we start with a minute and we go down and down and down, closer to a moment. But when you get to a moment, you know, the whole thing both opens up and falls apart, because there is no time. And there is no you, because it's just you're doing what you're doing. And you're um, saying, and you're saying, if I can jump in, and you're saying though, not though, but as you're saying that the the stress, then, and I think as you say, it it is is a result of trying to hold on to a sense of permanence, <laughs> and 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 in fact, what we really have is a discontinuous continuousness, and so the part of the profound teachings is the experience and, and, and the, I guess you might almost say making peace with that as a sort of an elemental kind of a reality. Is that, was that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, I, have, I hate to say it because I, I'm a victim of it myself, but when I get really stressed, if I really tune into what's stressing me, it's my idea of what should be happening mm. as opposed to what is happening. Right. You know, so if you're, I'm so present you're, with what's happening, it may be terrible. You know, it may be unhappy. But the stress part comes from my pulling away from it, accepting what's happening. Whether that means, you know, a tragedy in my life or just I'm about to miss the train. And you're making an enemy of reality. Yeah. yeah. And that's the seed of the stress. Now, I'm not saying that, look, we live in stressful environments and there's probably plenty of institutional ways we could reduce stress, whether it's better traffic flow or different work practices, and I'm really interested in all of those because I think when you have a less stress in the environment, people 
do better, behave better, and they're healthier. But at the core of stress, I think, is this profound issue of not wanting to be things to be the way they are. And also we have an entertainment culture, which is... Um dissociative and it's very you know much of its public expression so we, and unfortunately we, Ned, you know I, I want to put, say this because I think it's so important there's been a kind of strange press around being in the moment or being in the now mm. that I think is incredibly dangerous okay a lot of it suggests that if you were that being in the now or being in the moment means you're always happy ah. But people tell me I was really in the moment when I was, you know, walking in the beautiful garden and the trees and the sun was shining, and then I got back to work and I wasn't in the moment anymore because they had a problem. But my feeling is that being in the moment always begins with radically telling ourselves the truth of what's happening now. Radically telling ourselves the truth of what's happening now. It sounds like a, sounds like a good attitude to take into our practice as well, doesn't it? Well, it is the practice. Aha. Oh. Um, but, but unfortunately, in the, in the kind of popular understanding of being in the moment, there isn't room for being present with the owl moments as well as the wow moments. Ah, uh-huh. So the thing is that when you're present in what's happening now, even if it hurts, that, if you like, does bring you to a kind of happiness that could be called being in the moment. But we don't get there by skirting around the unhappy or unpleasant bits. We get there by being intimate with the unhappy or unpleasant bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're not in the, if you feel like you're not in the moment, whatever your idea of being in the moment is, the first thing to do is, I believe, tune into what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Not to get stuck there, because you, you want to stay open to the possibility that you'll feel something else in the next moment but you can't leapfrog over what you're feeling. And the no matter how old and experienced we are, no matter how many moments we've had, if we don't join the next moment with the beginner's mind, as, as my teacher would say, yeah. then we're, we're lost, because then we're either living in the future or we're uh, cataloging or storing the, or the past, and we're not, we're not really able to be as present as, as you would have us be. Uh, Martin, we need to uh, kind of get close to. We got another minute or two here before we we wrap. Let's let's go back to your website and and then say a couple more words. By the way, are you giving any readings here in California? Um, I'll be in California in September, so okay. there should be some events scheduled there. Okay, well, I don't you... have anything at the moment. Okay, and uh, let's talk about your website again for a minute, if you would. Sure. Um, the main thing on the website is this little cartoon, which really makes. I hope the whole idea of meditation and one-moment meditation, both user-friendly for people who are scared of meditation or feel they failed at meditation, but also hints at the deeper possibilities of a moment and takes you through a guided minute, and it does all of that in about five minutes. Right. So that's the main thing on the website um, that everybody can enjoy. And this is a nice, simple, light little book that's easy to throw in the, in a, almost a pocket. It's, it's, one of the, it's a small book. It's a... It's only 174 pages. It's uh, it's got a lot in it, and it's got a lot of potential in it. And I I just have to believe that uh, that this is uh, that this time has come. That <laughs> the, the moment has arrived for the one minute meditation. Right, that one moment meditation. Excuse me. We've been joined today by Martin Borison. And uh, Martin, thanks so much for taking the time with us. Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking. To you. I appreciate it. And good day.
So there's our discussion with Martin, and what an interesting book that is, and what an interesting teacher he is. And he he holds this topic in such a useful, uh, non-sectarian, he's not selling you something, really. He's giving, he's inviting you into the opportunity to experience uh, your life in a really remarkably enlarged way by taking a moment. So I urge all of our listeners uh, to look for Martin Borison's book, one, The One Moment Meditation, Stillness for People on the Go. So that said, now I wanted to get to our uh, announcement period. I, want, I didn't want uh, uh, to do it at the beginning because Martin was calling right away and, and I didn't have time. But um, here in Sonoma on this Thursday, uh, there's I, like all of uh, Health Matters listeners that are available locally to go to the community center room number 110 and go to a movie called The Economics of Happiness. This is a movie done by um, Helena Norberg Hodge and Stephen Gorlick and John Page. The vo- there are voices from uh, six continents. Uh, there's discussion uh, by various profound teachers, Vandana Shiva, Bill McKibben, uh, Richard Heinberg, and others. It promises to be a glorious, glorious experience of a movie. That's at 7 p.m. The Economics of Happiness. It's free. Uh, face uh, uh, tr- uh, Donations happily accepted, but it's sponsored by Transition Sonoma Valley in, in uh, cooperation with Sonoma Valley Center, Sonoma Valley Community Center, excuse me. Again, Room 110, April the 21st, 7 p.m. I'd like all of you to go to this movie. I believe it. I can promise that it will be a heartwarming and, an, and a very pleasant experience for you. Now, uh, turning from that briefly, while well, with just a very couple of minutes we have, I wanted to report a little bit on, again, we've had to, here at Health Matters, we've made a point of talking about the radiation situation in Fukushima, Fukushima, and uh, I have before me something more than I can read, longer than I have time to read, but basically it's an interview with an Arnie Gunderson, who is a... Um, a, a nuclear engineer who coordinated projects all over the United States, and he's He's telling us that the Fukushima plant is identical to the Yankee, the Vermont Yankee plant in Vermont and how there's 20 different plants in the United States that are identical to Fukushima and that the, 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 uh, the day after the Fukushima uh, incident, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the federal uh, gave the Vermont Yankee a 20-year license extension and despite the fact that Fukushima just had the accident. And so I guess we know where that, that is. And we also know that President Obama said they're basically different because they're different, but that, that, that the accidents can't happen because we don't think they will. Well, we, we think they will. And also when Entergy bought the plant, they signed an agreement in, in, um, in 2002 that the Vermont did have the right to terminate their license in 2012, uh, but they couldn't do it for safety reasons, but they could do it as uh, if the state wasn't going to get a reliable source of power. And based on the reliability, according to Anthony Gunderson, this is a reason to forbid the license. And I think we've got to, we're going to have to go out and stand up in the streets about a lot of this stuff and uh, do more than that. 
But we need to build a coalition um, to shut some of this stuff down and stop letting our government and the, the people who have moneyed interests in this uh, nuclear drama to f- stop foisting it and all the dangers up upon our citizenry. So that's my personal observation about that. Uh, let's see what's coming up on Health Matters. Uh, if I have my list here, if I can find it. Uh, I'm not finding it. So, oh, I want to mention also that the um, the infant massage class, May the 12th, 13th, and 14th, uh, is available. Uh, there's a free infant massage communication with parenting. For more information, uh, 996-3545. Long-term health matters listeners know this story. This is infant massage uh, taught by Kalena Babishoff. It's a literally wonderful class for for um, uh, for new babies uh, up to a crawling stage. Uh, pre-registration is required. Again, for, this is May the 12th, 13th, and 14th. I urge you to call 996-3545 and find out more about that. And here's what I was looking for, our thing with, um, okay, it's uh, the next uh, Dream Weavers class here at uh, Sonoma um, here at Health Matters on uh, Sonoma, Sonoma FM 91.3. That's May the 4th. This is on dreams and blossoming the blossoming earth. So if you cannot pacify your spirit and you let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, you, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry, but keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your desires at low levels. That's the basic guidance of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine. That's the basic book of Chinese medicine. Our Health Matters motto remains, health care isn't a noun, it's a verb. Happy to have you with us. Uh, always looking for...